May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Holy Communion? I have a wonderful job because I get to do this. I get to bring greetings from my boss, the presiding bishop. So greetings on behalf of the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. I hope that makes you feel good. Feel a part of a community that loves and cares for you. Little words of greetings that come from the heart. I also have greetings from my mama. She texted me at 6 a.m. this time because she's in North Carolina and she wanted to know, is it sunny here? I said, yes. She said, it's raining buckets and buckets. It's been raining for days. Our cousins down on the East Coast have retreated inland, but we're sitting tight and eating popcorn. I hope you're dry, Holy Communion. Good morning. Greetings and little words can do a lot. In that greeting, you know that we care for you, and I hope I've invited you to think about my mom and all those in North Carolina. Little words, even little tweets can do a lot of movement in our emotional universe. Even a hundred characters can change the shape of things. You might have read one morning, not true, 3,000 people did not die in Puerto Rico, fake news. Short little words that say something else about the world we live in, that say words used by those in power can cut people off, make people feel isolated and alone, can pull down the shades on our moral universe. There's something about the shape of the words we use that can alter and change the very nature of the way we live our lives, can twist our vision of who God is, can even make us think differently about our own name, because words are powerful. We all know that. Words are powerful. We heard James say it. We heard Jesus ask people to change their words. Who do you say I am? Give me the words. There's power in that. Did your mama ever tell you if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all? How about if you can't say something nice, you better have a good lawyer. <laughs> words can start big fights. My dad used to say, don't let your mouth write checks that your behind can't cash. <laughs> but words also have another potential to lean in the direction of shalom, wholeness, creation. Words can be more powerful than even the small of us who speak them. Words can be twisted. And we might not even realize they're happening. They're just a part of the chatter, the background noise that we hear again and again that makes it seem that, yes, it's true. It's absolutely true that there's no such thing as climate change and there's nothing to be done about the next big storm. Of course it's true that 
People on welfare just take and take, and there's nothing to do to help. Oh, of course it's true. This city is the gun murder capital of America. Oh, well. The words can rule the day. They can say again and again, well, the people coming to our border are bad actors and bad hombres. Even if we might not really believe it, their narrative seems loud. And when the face of so many dark words makes you quiet, makes you tired, makes you want to sit down, that's the power of words. And yet, God knows this power. God knows it so much so that we have in that Hebrew reading the story of wisdom. This womanly incarnation, a picture of God that comes out and not says come and pray, but runs in the streets, probably shouting with a bad hair day. This version of God that says wisdom wants you. Wisdom's coming after you. Wisdom wants to inhabit the words you speak in the streets. And don't feel bad because we're all human. Wisdom's there for the fools, the scoffers, the dolts, all of us who are making mistakes who might be overwhelmed by words. It's good to be a fool because fools can learn. Scoffers, okay, they laugh at people's pains, but those willing to open up and embrace the words, embrace just not niceness, not good feelings, but more of the whole spirit of God. Wisdom runs and says, you, you open your mouth, embrace these words. And if you're lucky, if you lean into it, you'll feel and figure out that the shaping of the new words shapes a new reality. We've got a lot of work to do with our words. We've got a lot of work to do as people who might feel a little quiet, a little overwhelmed, a little tired, because all those around us are living in a world that's turned on its ear, where the moral imagination is twisted and small, where the universe seems like a place that, well, there's nothing to be done. Those people over there aren't like us. Give up. But wisdom, wisdom is calling you. Listen, open your mouth. There's something to new words. Now, I don't know if your mom ever said this. This might be a southern thing. But mine, when I got in big trouble, would say, get behind me, Satan. And I wonder, am I actually the devil? Maybe I was if I ruined her table setting or got her off track. But there was something to mama's wisdom there as well. Because just like Jesus shouting at Peter here, what does it mean to be called Satan? To be told to give back for the words you say. Not that you're evil. Not that you're doomed or deemed to suffer a terrible fate. But Peter was doing a little something. He was claiming words that he wasn't quite ready to think through. He was attributing things to Jesus that made him the arbiter, the author, the storyteller. Instead of letting God's truth reveal itself, let God's grandeur come, let God's glory be made. When my mom would say, get behind me, Satan, I knew she still loved me. But she wanted me to join her in telling a different story. Join her in 
while being on time for dinner, or also in living in a right world of the universe, set right side up. Because words, again, are powerful. When they're used badly, when they're used two-facedly, when blessings and cursings come out the same mouth, when they're confusing and make you feel small and little, well, yeah, that hurts. But that's something humans learn, too, from a little tiny age. If you've got a third grader around you, you've seen them do more than toss sticks and stones. Words can hurt. But if you know an elementary school teacher, they can also coach and lead and help someone see, well, you know what? There's more to it. Maybe the words won't actually hurt you. If you remember that there's more to them, there's a spirit of wisdom calling and shouting at you. Have you ever been a victim, a personal victim of hurtful words? Of words that make you feel less than or apart from God? When's the last time someone said to something to you in passing, in circumstance, that made you feel like, well, sitting down, being quiet, hiding your light under a bushel? I remember the very first time someone said something to me so cutting, so hurtful, it could have shut me down. It could have made my version of the moral universe permanently small. It was very frightening. It was very hard to hear. I was a little kid in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was in third grade, and I was standing in line for music class. We had a trailer. We were lining up, and I wanted to play the shaker A. And I was thinking about that when I heard the little boy behind me in my suburban school say, and this is very harsh, you are just a little nigger. You don't belong in this school with us. I no longer wanted to play the instruments. No longer wanted to be at school. I no longer wanted to believe in a good moral universe. And I ran home that day crying. And I saw my mama, who was an elementary school teacher, who knew something about third graders and horrible words. And she said, I need you to remember this, that no matter what words or names people throw at you, you are not that name. You are, in fact, the name that you can remember when you remember the one who made you. It's not me or daddy. It's the one on high. It's the holy one, the creator, who is our father, our parent, lover of all. Because that's the one who creates your name. Those are where your words come from. Who and whose you are, who sent you. When you are scared, when you feel small, when you feel threatened, when the world feels like everyone is calling you a name, you remember that you know the name of the one who loves you. And that is where you get your name from. You are loved, but you are not that name. Using words to tear down can be a habit. can be learned young, but the implications are great. They go from personal assault to making a whole world, a whole city believe there's nothing to be done. We will always be a victim. There's no help to be had. 
There's no Jesus movement to be joined, and yet, you are not that name. Holy Communion, you are more than the words that keep you small. When we reach up and we come to the altar, when we say, Jesus, I know who you are. I think I know your name. Wisdom calls us and drags it out of us. We know we are more than words that hurt. We know we are more than words that say, you're just an Episcopalian. You are something more. You are the name and the words from the one who has nothing but shalom inside. No malice, no evil. So call that name when you forget who you are. You are something more than anything, any slight, any slander. Claiming that name, remembering who you are and whose you are, is the gift you have to give. It's our legacy. It's our impact. Maybe you will be like wisdom running through the streets, grabbing the next fool or scoffer, and reminding them, I know my name. I am so much more. I am the child of the one who is shalom. I am the child of the one who is holy. What is your name? Who do you say Jesus is? You are the child of the Most High. Amen.